Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time. Turn up the volume and let's go. Hey, housewives, welcome back. Welcome, welcome. We're excited to be here for another fantastic Tuesday with a guest that both Tori and I know-ish. I mean, if you can say that about social media, I'm going to let... That's true. I forgot about that part. (laughs) So I'm going to let you do the formal intro. Well, this is an interview that came together from a trip I took in August of 2023 to Denver for a podcast conference, literally went to this conference with a thousand other things going on at home and just said, God, I know you have something for this conference. Let me talk to who you want me to talk to, meet who you want me to meet and open my mouth when you tell me to open it. But more importantly, (laughs) shut it when you tell me to shut it. (laughs) And so walking around, there's always an expo. And I got to the speaker lab and got to meet Brittany there. And we started chatting and she is a professional speaker. And then come to find out she's also a believer. And then what she talks about specifically for people is teen anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, our housewives need to hear this because this is something that Tracy and I have been so passionate about the last couple of years. So I know there's a more professional bio out there for you, Brittany. (laughs) Our housewives aren't going to hear it here, but I'll put the link in our show notes for you (laughs) that they can see all your credentials and all the fancy stuff. But without further ado, welcome, Brittany. I'm so grateful to be here. I think when people get on podcasts, they say, I'm so happy to be here. But I think grateful is just more accurate for me. And I'm grateful to the listeners and y'all because I mean, there's so many other things that we could be doing with our time, but y'all chose to show up with me and the listeners chose to listen to this when they could be doing other things. And that's never lost on me. So I have so much gratitude for the fact that people spend time with me. So I appreciate that. Our pleasure. I feel like you're a Chick-fil-A. Sorry. Whenever I hear that, I'm, it's like, yes, we say it all the time in our house too, maybe because we eat Chick-fil-A too much, but I, I, love it. I don't mind. That's the Lord's chicken. I mean, let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, let's start, Brittany. We want you to take us back to kind of, obviously, we know you're a speaker and you have a platform, but how did you get here? Tell us your story. Oh, gosh. Well, I really struggle talking about myself. That's one of the things that causes me a lot of anxiety, actually. So. I work really well with direct questions, but let me take you back to like why I became a speaker in the first place. I heard once years ago that we're most powerfully positioned to serve the person that we once were. So I had known I wanted to be a speaker. I mean, I went into counseling. I'm still in counseling for my own mental health, but like I went into the field, right? Like I don't need to be counseling, right? Like that's therapy is cool, is what I tell you. Yes, it is. 
before I got into all that, I was that 15, 16, 17 year old girl, like high achiever, very much a leader, all like team captain, got along great with the school, my parents, my friends, but really living not a lie, but wearing a mask because perception is reality and the young people can deal with it today with social media. I mean, we all do. We only put out to the world what we want people to see. And that's very much just like how humans are in general, right? We do it to protect ourselves. We don't want to feel judgment. We want to fit in. We want to be loved. You could have a list of reasons why we do it. But that was me. And I think at least a lot of my former colleagues in the counseling space, even a lot of youth speakers that I know, they speak to at-risk youth, right? Because they're at risk. They act out. They're very much need put on the path of something's going on. Something's going on. We need to support them. I like to work with the leaders because I feel like they are at risk. There's so much weight on them to perform well, to exceed expectations, to not fail. And that causes so much mental health struggles that we start to see things manifest like behavioral problems, eating disorders. I mean, there's so many things that I hear from young people today, but I've experienced it and I've lived it. And I know what it's like to feel that weight on you all the time to consistently execute and perform well, even if it's perceived pressure, right? Because oftentimes I ask these young people, because they'll be like, my parents, my parents expect this. My parents put this pressure on me. I'm like, are you perceiving that or is it actual pressure, right? Like, or is that just your perception of the reality? So at the end of the day, that's why I speak mostly to leadership students high achievers, people looking to perform well, because I can relate so much to them. So that's I like that because as a parent of four kids and something we were just talking about beforehand was grades and things that way. We talk to our kids all the time. It's not the grade. It's that it's best effort. Like we can't compare all four kids like their grades aren't going to all be the same. But we need to see that things are being turned in on time. Like there's accountability and expectations there and what they take on. Because we say all the time, like we're not putting pressure on you to be a straight A student unless you're a straight A student. Like there's one or two, maybe three even that should be getting straight A's. Okay, which Stein? <laughs> kid is more interested in the same like okay. I don't mean it I like that. I love you, Stein kids. <laughs> I don't mean it like that, but you do know that there are ones that have proven themselves, right? right. So right. when they start to not prove themselves, you wonder what's going on. But we have that conversation all the time, like pressure that they put on themselves and that they're upset over. Something is great to an extent, right? But not when it's turned into anxiety. Something I like to tell parents when I talk to them, and I feel like if you have a lot of moms listening, I just need them to know that it's not your fault. I think that that's something that a lot of parents, they carry around, especially like my parents did. They're like, we didn't see it. We didn't know that's what it was. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. It's like mom guilt, right? Like anything that's going on with kids, it's like, what did I do to like contribute to this outcome or not support them? Like, I just need every parent to know out there, it is not your fault. Okay. I just need to put that out there. So something uh, that I heard once, and it's made a huge impact on my parenting and just my perception of things is the most perfect parent in the world still had two children who rebelled, Adam and Eve. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. We don't think about that. Like God was the most, they had everything. They were completely content and had the Garden of Eden. And like it, 
everything that they could possibly want. They had a relationship with God, walking with God. They knew nothing else and they still rebelled. So like I tell parents that I'm like, they still have their own free will. And sure, as parents, we do make mistakes. We absolutely can screw up and there's a sense of responsibility in some things, but a lot of things are not ours to pick up. Exactly. Well, one of the things that you hit on previously when we talked was that anxiety doesn't discriminate. And I think knowing that you're speaking to leaders and the ones that are striving for so much, like that anxiety doesn't discriminate even on the ones who seem to be doing so well. Right. I often tell people, I'm like, listen, how you experience anxiety is going to be different than me, right? Ergo, how we cope with this is going to look differently. But I had the opportunity to speak at my former high school and it was a full circle moment for me because the teachers that are there, it's a small school. They're still the same teachers that knew me, right? So like it was very much difficult for me, but also very healing. But it was afterwards, one of the teachers came up to me because again, like I was the ideal student, right? I had it all together and she came up to me and she hugged me and she had tears in her eyes and she's like, we had no idea. But she did say to me, but thank you for the reminder because I feel like we often keep tabs on the kids that we know are struggling and we tend to ignore the ones that aren't because we feel like they have it all together. And she's like, so thank you for reminding us to check in on the students that do have it all together because the way they're experiencing anxiety, it's just going to look different. Also, the issue is, and it's nobody's fault, is these students, especially when I go to conferences and I have the opportunity to sit down with them and I'm like, where's the anxiety coming from? And a lot of it's very overwhelming, like that fear of failure, right? Like, if I don't get into this college, life's over. And it's like, so I challenge them like, well, what's going to happen if you don't get into this college? And they're like, I don't know. I was like, you're going to go to another one, right? Like you're going to go to another college and it's probably going to work out better than you expected. But that frontal lobe, that part of our brain that helps us see big picture, right? Helps us see that. That doesn't even get developed till we're like 22. So we're asking these young people to be these high achievers and do all the things, but they can't even see past if it won't happen. But that's not their fault, right? It's just yeah. for that constant reminder. But also like there's this balance, right? Like we want to push kids. We want to push them to excel because we want them to be great at what they do. But recognizing when it's like, is this having a negative effect? So I often ask students to even parents, like just consistently asking yourself, like, is this healthy and does it serve me? Is it going to move me forward? personally, professionally, spiritually, relationship-wise? Is it moving me forward? Is it healthy? Because if it's not healthy and it's not moving me forward in a positive way, like this is probably not meant for me, right? That's so good. I like that. Is it serving me? I think we need to be asking ourselves that question too. Yes. (laughs) When we volunteer for that one extra spot for the class party and you're like, why? That's being dumb. That's being dumb. Well, and I, I think as with kids starting school is one season then you've got like finals like they've all got their seasons as do we and there's times where we can put more on our plate and times that we can't and kids still need to be Mm -hmm. guided through all of that well and reminding ourselves like what anxiety looks like because we all have when somebody says oh i'm depressed we have an idea of what that looks like or when they're like oh i have anxiety we have an idea of what that looks like but Could you give us a rundown? Because again, we know, like we know we know that it comes in all different shapes and sizes. It can look completely different from one kid to another, to a parent, to a a grandparent. I mean, what are some of the things to look for in ourselves and in our children to kind of 
go, wait, maybe there's something more to this. This is not just a small feeling. Consistent changes in behavior. I mean, whether they're perceived positive behaviors, because one of the things that people who are overachievers that have a lot of anxiety, like they will strive to do more. They'll constantly stay busy. They'll constantly not set boundaries. Like, like, are you seeing your child being less social and trying to do more work? Like it's consistent behaviors over time that cause an issue. These one-off situations or these one-off episodes, probably not something to be too concerned about as long as they move through it, right? As long as you're moving through it. But we often tend to avoid the anxiety too by doing more because anxiety is fight or flight, right? It's a response to, should I keep going? Should I stop? Should I freeze? Like what's going on? So it's constantly in this heightened state. So how are you manifesting that in your behavior? For me, when I was young, it was very much like do more, be the person that's excelling constantly, constantly put myself ahead of everyone else. So nobody would like check in on me like in a a negative way if I, because even in my work life, like in previous roles I've done, I've always rose to leadership positions very quickly. But that's because like, I never wanted to be micromanaged. I never wanted to be told I was doing something wrong. I wanted to excel and I wanted that to be known. But that was the anxiety, right? Constantly do more and be rewarded for it. So people leave me alone, right? Like that's not a good thing. Like when you have a fear of something, it's not always a positive outlet, not always a positive source. So I think just being aware of the anxious responses and and constantly having communication around it. I think parents often don't, this is what I hear from students and I can totally see this, is they'll be like, well, I don't talk to people about it, including my parents, because they won't believe me right? Like they feel like they're not going to be believed or their parents will say, oh, it's fine. Just get over it. Like, right. And when you hear that, then you're like, first of all, you start to like second guess your own emotions, right? Like maybe I am being ridiculous, but also you start to see like people don't believe me. So what's the point in communicating about this? I'm just going to handle it myself. And that can manifest in some risky behaviors, right? Which we sometimes see. Self-medicating. They're medicating. Yeah. Yeah. And self-medicating can come in a lot of forms, right? Food, social interaction, overachievement. I mean, drug and alcohol use, promiscuity. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can manifest in a lot of different ways, but those are behavior changes that you could see over time, right? So yeah, that is so interesting though. Like it is when that first, first time conversation comes up. I mean, the experience that I have with anxiety is my youngest was diagnosed when, well, basically five years old. We've since then have a lot more understanding of it. But at that time, she couldn't vocalize it. So even kind of like a teen, right? They're not going to vocalize it. But you get in this like position of trying to understand something that like you can see what's happening, but you don't understand what's happening. Kind of like, I mean, I can imagine she's five. Experiencing that with a teen would be very similar. I think the approach of how to have a conversation We struggle as parents when we first hear it the first time. Like, oh, I feel this way or I feel that way. It's like when they come to us and they say, I'm sick. You're like, oh, buck up, right? Yeah. Tough it out. Like, I don't think you conveniently have a test today and you have all these things like, and you also stayed up late last night. I know, like, let's put it out there now. We're not always going to get it right. Yeah. And we very well may tell our kids, buck up, sweetheart. Like, this Life's hard, get a helmet. But also, too, then it's going. But if you find yourself saying that over and over and over again, you're repeating a behavior. You're having a consistent reaction to a consistent behavior that they're having. And then you go, 
oh, wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. Now let's rewind. Tracy and I are not the, dare I say, gentle parenting <laughs> people. We can be sweet and gentle. We can. They literally <laughs> drop my girls off at her house and I go, don't worry. I told Miss Tracy she could beat you if you misbehave. <laughs> and they were like, what? And I was like, uh, but yes, there are parents that sit down and go, well, tell me how you're feeling about that. Exactly. Tracy and I's first reaction doesn't mean that I think that's the point of why we're conversing with you about this is because there are many parents that it's not their first response. And you want to know why? Because we as parents, we as children, it's not how we were raised. Exactly. The coping mechanisms that we have and how we handle emotions are so different. We're learning as we're doing. Exactly. Growing up with these kids. I never had anxiety. Doesn't mean I didn't have my own other issues. But like when my child was first diagnosed with it, it was like, well, let's just fix it. I mean, honestly, like I'm a fixer. I'm a mama fixer. I don't want anything wrong with my babies. So I think there's just so much that when you are faced with this initially, you want to be there and help them. But that's why we're here. We want some more tips from you. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I was raised that way, too. I'm 37. I was raised in the South. I was very much like, rub some dirt in it. You're going to be fine. I mean, I think there's a balance here because we don't want to create this illusion that life is easy, right? And that everything can just happen. Like, honestly, how we cope with it is going to be different. There's that. So I will tell you, like, I respond well when somebody's like, do the thing. And I'm like, okay, but I appreciate structure, directness. I said that in the beginning of the interview. I'm not good when people are like, tell me about yourself. My initial response is, what do you want to know? Be specific. I really struggle with that. But again, that's just me. Some people may not struggle with that. But I think grace has to be given on all sides. Not Here's the problem that I think some teenagers struggle with too. And just really anybody in general, but really teenagers, that's who I work with, right? So it's like, they expect others to understand, right? They expect others to get how they're feeling. Why don't you understand how I'm feeling? Why? Like, why don't you understand? Why are things so easy for you and so hard for me? I mean, there's a that was me and I'm calling myself out on the victim mentality. I didn't really understand why certain things were so easy for others, but so difficult for me. I was kind of like upset about it, right? Like, I don't understand. Like, how do you not see that I'm in pain? How do you not see... Like, I was really putting this on other people, right? Like, how are you not seeing that, that I'm like in angst and like my skin is crawling and I feel like I'm going to die. I'm having a heart attack. Like, how do other people not see that? But the grace has to be given because I'm not vocalizing it either, right? Like, I'm not telling people like, I'm experiencing anxiety. I don't know. I can't tell you why I'm feeling how I'm feeling. I just know I don't feel safe. Something feels weird. Like, help me figure it out, right? So... There's grace that has to be given on all sides because parents, if you've never experienced anxiety, and I have this conversation with my husband all the time, it's like, if you've never experienced it, first of all, I don't want you to. And two, I don't expect you to understand. Like it's, you don't have to understand to be helpful. So as a parent, to any parent that's listening, it's like that you feel angst because you want to understand, just accept the fact that you won't and move forward to helping to establish coping mechanisms and no one's expecting you to understand. That is hard to say, but there's ownership in people who live with anxiety and teenagers will eventually learn this, right? They will eventually take ownership. I often tell people, I would have never thought this when I was young, but my anxiety is nobody else's problem but my own. And I'm very serious about that. It is our responsibility to discover 
how we can work through this, communicate about it, put words to how we're feeling. But there's work involved with that. And that's really hard for young people to understand. So the best thing to do for them is to start to create space for each other and start to be able to communicate about these feelings. And one of those best ways to do that is through curious questions. It's actually a therapeutic technique because oftentimes kids come home from school and the parents say, how was your day? Right? Fine. Like one word answers. Yeah. And you're like, how am I supposed to know anything with that? Yes, exactly. So that's the response is I'm fine. Right. That's everybody's favorite response. I'm fine. But the reality is, is that may not be the truth. Right. So curious questions kind of open a door. Being specific really does like, how was third period today? Did anything funny happen in there? Did anything exciting? Create a conversation and then keep repeating the phrase, tell me more. That's been the most powerful three words I have ever experienced. Tell me more. And I'll tell you because it opens a door. So as soon as someone hears that, tell me more, their brain initially starts thinking about what else can I say? And sometimes I do this exercise with teenagers in live, right? We spend 60 seconds starting with a story. And it's like the person listening just keeps repeating the phrase, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. And we end up uncovering what we never thought we would. And I have, when I talk about this, I have adults all the time message me months later. And they're like, I did this with my husband and it's changed our relationship. Because you're asking, tell me more is so powerful if you just keep repeating it. And it's so simple. I think we often think we have to have like these knockdown, drag out, like, I need to know the solution. Like, tell me 100% what to do. And it's like, just have a conversation, create space for each other, make the situation feel safe and open. And you may not discover everything right away, but you're creating so much more like openness and your child is going to feel like, wow. And they they have to reflect too, which is very powerful. So you're not only working on communication, but you're working on active listening which I think is wildly underrated, especially as just human beings. Tell me more is like the big thing. And sometimes students will, they'll be like, why? they'll tell me stories. They'll be like at school or something. They'll be like, someone said, tell me more. And they were like, oh, did you go see Britney speak? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I will use that. Hey, housewives, we are so excited. Oh my goodness, this is a dream come true. Y'all have heard us talk about our sauna sessions from the beginning, and we have Sunlighten as a sponsor of Unlikely Housewives. Why wouldn't we have a sauna session that brings all of the good juices flowing right out of our bodies when we're detoxing. Ex- Bring it right to the unlikely housewives. Exactly. But first of all, some of those benefits. The intention of getting in the sauna for us was not to create a podcast. No. no I have another we just job. We wanted to sweat. We detox. Wa- detox. We wanted to boost our immunity. We wanted the reducing of inflammation and some the weight puff. loss. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's anti-aging. I mean, there's so many benefits to infrared sauna sessions. And so that was our initial purpose. Yeah. And just to vent, it was that season of life that we just needed to sit and talk and talk about what was going on. And that's where it all happened was in the sauna. Did you realize that there are studies that show heat therapy produces endorphins, those feel good emotions? So we were boosting our mood and ideas. So far, we boosted so far that a podcast idea came just flowing out. You guys... This is an incredible opportunity for you. You can have up to $600 off 
using our link, which is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. That's get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. We'll put that link in the show notes for you too. But $600 off a Sunlighten purchase. The one that I have got is the Impulse 3-in-1 Believe. And it's amazing, y'all. It has been the best health investment for our family. I'll say my friends because I invite them yeah. over. That's how I use the saunas in your I, I know. Sweat. If I come you, over and sweat. But it's so good and such a benefit. And, and you so, said family investment. The kids can get in it too. Exactly. The second I hear that there is a stomach bug going around class, get in the sunlight and girls. Like, you're going to do this in 20 minutes. Let's make sure your immune system is up to par to not bring that home for anybody. It is a family investment and you will not regret it. Again, that link for us is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. All the link will be in the show notes. One thing that you were talking about in the ownership It's crazy because my daughter's therapist works on that. I mean, she just turned nine. So since she was like eight years old, the ownership of it, it really is something you speaking on it, me living through it. Like I do want moms and listeners, parents, anyone listening to know, like our job as parents, we want to reassure. We want to fill the void. We want to say, I love you. You're perfect. God made you so smart, so caring, all the things. We can do that. And yes, we still should. But when it comes down to it, just like you said, there's work involved. She actually is doing a lot of work herself. She has to in order to say those things and believe them herself and know that she used to want to come tell me everything just so that I would reassure and would only give her about 20 minutes of a break before she needed to come tell me again. And so she has had to learn to just use her own tools to turn that off, those thoughts, those feelings, and win her own battle. Because just like you said, the ownership, as these teens get older, once they can have that ownership, they'll be able to do that in the day-to-day. Yes. And it's so freeing because anxiety makes you feel out of control, right? Like in whatever aspect it may be, you feel out of control in that particular moment or situation. How freeing it when you realize like I am in control, the ownership piece, right? Like I don't expect this person to change their life to make me feel more comfortable. I know what I need to make my life feel more comfortable in this situation, right? So learning those tools and discovering that, and that's the work part, right? Like in setting boundaries and, and leaning into the things that bring us joy and communicating about how we feel, like there's work involved, but Yeah, I think it's very freeing when you realize that you're in more control than you realize. Well, and I want to stress, too, though, that like the work that's involved in the tools that I'm talking about and what you're talking about is it does come through therapy, like being guided to learn to work through that. It's not from a parent saying, "Okay, well, go do the work, figure out how to handle it. It's getting them into the right therapist or counselor that is going to help them do the work. Yeah. And I still think there's, which blows my mind, it's 2023, almost 2024. And yet counseling still gets this bad, like, rap. Like, people are like, and I'm like, well, you go see a doctor when your physical body isn't feeling well. So why wouldn't you go to a doctor when your mind isn't feeling well? 
Like yeah. the fact that we're resisting it is kind of like, I mean, I just don't understand because it's a third party conversation. It's meant to create space and help guide you, like you said, and give you tools, tips and tricks that can help you be this happy, healthy adult. Like, why are we resisting it? Like lean into it. I think we often see the negativity comes from like, we go see a therapist and a counselor when we're not feeling well. And I'm like, we should go to a therapist and a counselor when we feel well, right? Like we should go when we feel good and be on the offensive side of things and not the defensive side. So, well, and I have to say, going back to as like trying to explain to a spouse or like to a parent, because like for me with like depression, I don't want my husband ever to know what depression feels like or how bleak and things look and feel for me at times. And at the same time, the reminder that while I don't want him to ever know what it feels like, it's also not his job to understand what it feels like either. That is uniquely mine. And I can try to put it into words every single time, but there's always going to be a gap on what I can put into words and what I can't. And like you said, leaving space for Mm -hmm. each other and him trusting me enough to go, I'm going to trust you that you know what you need at this moment. And I need you to trust me that if you need something, you can ask for it. And there's that open conversation and it's, Because I think the world tells us too often now that we have to understand, appreciate, celebrate, worship all the things that everyone else is feeling when that is not necessarily, that's not the case at all. Because it makes me take on something that's not mine. That's not mine to understand. That's not mine to participate in. It washes us all out. Like Mm -hmm. it spreads us all thin. If I'm going to hold what's mine, I'm going to hold what's mine and do what I can in my space and work on my own junk. He can work on his junk. <laughs> my kids can work on their junk. And then we're all like responsible people. Well, as I say, that's just the narrative in the world today for a lot of different topics is people are like, I want you to understand how I'm feeling. I want you to understand. I want you to understand. And there's so much conflict and tension created with that. Because the reality is, is that people won't and they can't in a lot of ways. I would encourage young people and parents to have that same dialogue where it's like, sometimes you can't even, you don't even understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling, right? You just are feeling this feeling. So it's like, hey, I don't even understand it. I don't expect you to understand it. But like you said, I know what I need. And when I know what I need, I will communicate it to you. Like, don't expect you to understand it. I just need to move through this. And that's another thing. Like, We have to move through it to get to the other side, right? And I think we resist it sometimes so much and we make it so much worse on ourselves. So in the moments when it's hard or whether they're bouts of depression or anxiety, like take yourself in the moment and just be like, why am I feeling this way? Start to understand it. Start to identify the things that you can control to make yourself feel better while you move through this. Don't resist it because not always to our how we were formally raised, we can't Mm -hmm. always rub dirt in it and move on, right? Like, We can't power through everything that can hurt us worse. So identifying, is this healthy? Does it serve me? And if the answer is no, then we just have to move through this, right? We just have to find how we can move through this and still come to the other side because that's the reality is there's so many of us that make it to the other side, right? There are still hard days. And I think when I talk to these teenagers, I don't ever want them to think I'm cured of this. I live with this every day. The difference is is I don't suffer from it anymore. We live with it. 
We don't suffer from it. There's a totally different narrative there. How we speak to ourselves. So accepting ourselves, taking ownership, because you can accept yourself as a person who lives with pretty severe anxiety and still work to improve every single day. Like you have to accept this, not hate it, right? Don't attach negativity to how you're feeling or what you're, you're going through. Just accept it and you can still work to improve every single day. The power of and is real. We can live with these things and still have a happy life. So it's not a but, right? It's an and. Mm -hmm. So we did a a series last summer called We Believe in the And. Power of and is so good. Yep. I want to just, before we move on, because I do want to talk about your book coming out, I wanted to ask the creating space for each other. What are your tips for a teen to a teen? Like granted, the phone plays such a huge place in texting or snapping or that's how they communicate these days. Mostly they shouldn't, but mostly that's what they do. But we do want to encourage the teens to if they see one another struggling, how do you talk about it? I think authenticity is key here. I mean, we live in a world where it's more acceptable to be fake than real. And I think that that's something that we see on social media. People are afraid to be themselves. Like I said, like, I mean, I did, right? We wear a mask every day. I mean, I see these young people striving so hard to fit in and really be a part of these groups or be accepted by certain people for something that's inauthentic, right? Like, wait, so you really want to be friends with this person. So you're pretending to be someone else. But do they really like you for you? Because who you are isn't who you really are. Like, there's so much like, but I think creating space for each other (laughs) is by moving people in and out of your space as well. So being authentic brings people into you right? And then it also, you see people leave when you become authentic. And we have to really let our teenagers know that this is appropriate and this is okay. And this is actually what we want, right? This is what we want. This is what you should strive for because the right people are going to love you for who you are, right? The right people are going to come into your life and, and come into your circle. I know I'm not for everybody. I have been told. I literally had an adult one time hold his hand up to my face and say, you are too much for me because my energy and my personality. And I wasn't even upset by it. I was just like, I was actually kind of grateful because I was like, whoo, he just saved me a lot of time because I'm not trying to like pour into other people or give my energy or something. That is so good. And when people get upset by that, I often challenge them. I'm like, you need to ask yourself why you're so upset by this. Like you need to ask yourself like why you're so upset that somebody doesn't want to be your friend when you should celebrate that because you're being authentically yourself if you are in that moment and they're just not for you. So creating space for each other means moving people in and out, right? So in and out of your space, authenticity will lead to those open conversations because when we accept ourselves for being authentic, then we can be more open. We take ownership in that. So, I mean, that's what I would really encourage young people to do. And it's so hard when you're young. I mean, I totally get it, but really just leaning into authentically who you are and moving people in and out of that space and not being afraid. Well, and I think we have to remind, like, I'm thinking now in my life, like 10 years ago, I had a completely different set of group of friends. Mm -hmm. And now in 2023, I have a different group. I have my two, three core people that I have had for 40 years. That's looking at you, Jess. But like, Other than that, like, but it is going to change because we have life differences, like moving to Kansas, like moving from Chicago, like Mm -hmm. you had Chicago friends and 
it doesn't mean that you love them any less. It's just your season of life is different. Like, yeah, having the side by side. And I like how you said that, though. Excuse me. Creating space and moving people in and out. Yeah. I think for teens in general, I think that's where a lot of anxiety comes from is the relationships yeah. of the in and out. Yeah. Because the kids, they are changing and growing and finding new interests in sports and studies and clubs and things. And the friendships are coming in and out. And so they think that there's something wrong with them or they're worried about not being a part of this group or belonging here. I think that's part of where the anxiety comes from. And if they can learn to just be authentic and accept who they are, the changing relationships could be a blessing to them if they could experience that. I know. Yeah. I feel that's like good. that's one of the things we learn way too late in life. We're like, oh, thank God that person's not in my life anymore. <laughs> you hear people say that yeah. all the time. I feel like there's certain relationships I can think back in high school that I'm like, why did I spend so much time and energy trying to get approval from this person? When I couldn't even approve of myself, right? Yeah. So that, that's the reflection that needs to occur. Why are we so hell-bent on seeking approval from this person or this friend group when we can't even sit with ourselves and be happy with what's going on? It's like we need that external like, ooh, right? Like, ooh, I am accepted. Ooh, I'm cool. It's like, but for what? Yeah. Who are you? I think social media plays a huge role in this now. And... Because we're, we're seeing, we, again, perception is reality. Like, look at their life. Look at all they're doing. It's like, but you're not seeing everything. You're only seeing what they choose to show you. Just like yeah. you're choosing to show people certain things about yourself as well. So, yep. I mean, it's a delicate balance. Well, I love that it's a space that you're speaking into. And like you said, that I think it is very powerful that the best person you're set up to serve is a former version of you who you were and what you were going through. For us, that's why we started this podcast because it was going, oh, not just you, but me too. Mm -hmm. Like you, oh, and if it's just us, if it's, right. if it's not just us, there's others. And exactly. our, our others are finding us and going, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Right. And so that has been really great. And I love that we are getting our teens because it is a different time. Like, I cannot imagine high school with social media. Like, no. high school was hard enough. Anyone else? Like, yeah. <laughs> please, for the love. Like, I didn't get to sit with the cool girls at lunch. And now I have to worry about them starting a Facebook group without me. Like, what? <laughs> I know. Oh, or, my gosh. Can you imagine? Or a Snapchat. Or, or a I Snapchat. I'm well, sorry. Yeah. A Facebook is for us older people. Yes, I know. I, That's I what I said. Snapchat. Old generation. Uh, okay, let's chat about your book, Lies My Anxiety Told Me. When oh, yeah. are we launching? How's it coming? Okay, so we're we're wrapping up. We have a few more weeks. We want to get it done by Christmas. So we'll launch in January of 2024. Yes, it's called Lies My Anxiety Has Told Me. And it's broken up like each chapter is a lie. Like I am a failure. I'm not good enough. Nobody loves me. And it's detailed experiences from different times in my life. But mostly I, I formulate like how early these things can occur, right? So like yeah. even down to kindergarten, there's a story I have a very vivid memory of. And so we go kindergarten, high school, college, even to today, like the final chapter is things I'm working on today in real time, right? Like things, because again, we live with this, we we don't ever cure it. And so it's it can be read by the high school student or really anybody can connect with this book. But the high school, college student, 16 to like 35, I feel like is a really good range because I think that's really connected. But really, 
anybody could read this and put themselves in it. It's so funny because I have so many people coming in, copy editors, proofreaders, all these people. And I get messages every day that are like, I can relate to this. And they're all different ages. They're different genders and different places in their life. But there's so many things that I think when there's just so much power and connection, right? Like, yeah. So in the second half of the book is my process, right? The battle tested things that I feel like any they're customizable. And I really want to lean into that because I do not believe like I swear to God, if one more person tells me to do a deep breathing exercise, I'm going to lose my mind like that does not work for me. So stop giving me that advice. Right. But that's one of the things that I I've learned throughout this process is like how you experience anxiety is different than me. Ergo, how you deal with it is going to be different than me. So these are high level situations that people can put themselves into and make it a customizable experience for them and then battle test that, right? Because it's all about taking action. It's all about assessing whether it worked for you and then adjusting if you need to and being consistent in that. So I'm really excited for people to to be able to connect. I wanted it to feel like a conversation because those are the best books I've ever read and the ones that you feel like you're actually having a conversation with the author. So yeah, I hope it really helps someone. So. That's awesome. Well, That's I know awesome. I can't wait to get a copy. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so tell our listeners how one to get a hold of you. And then just briefly, you give some credibility to all the conferences that you have done, some of your favorites, conferences and things, so people know how they can reach you and connect with you. So I don't typically do schools as a speaker. I do a lot of like the student conferences. I do Student Council, FFA, FCCLA, 4-H, these national and state conferences, teen institutes. Any leadership like roles or any leadership conferences out there, there, there's a ton. I I have done 29 this year and I've got eight on the docket so far for next year. So there's plentiful. They're yeah. definitely a plentiful. And I like I said, I love going to them and pouring into these students because I feel like this is a message that we don't often talk about in the leadership space with people who are achieving success. And again, we tend to focus on the at-risk student and not that they don't need the focus. So please, I hope nobody's like, well, they need focus too. Absolutely, they do. But everybody does, right? And I, I think that we kind of, again, we look at them like they're good. They're good. So, but they're they're not all good. So we need to be able to provide these skills as they grow into happy, healthy humans. But I'm all over the social platforms. Instagram is obviously my jam. It's the Brittany Richmond. Not that I'm being boastful, but Brittany Richmond was taken and she didn't want to sell me the name. So (laughs) (laughs) the Brittany Richmond. And then my website is BrittanyRichmond.com. And you can see videos there, all the things and whatever y'all need. I'm just here to support you. (laughs) And we'll have all those links in the show notes for all of our listeners. So it's easy to access for them real quick. So we do have to go back to how you two knew each other. And I it, I was only after the fact. Well, so you're like, wait, she looks really familiar. And I just want to end, we'll end I on ju- that. I just think social media is really cool in that way. Right. Because Tori shares with me about Brittany. We actually had our pre-interview, got to know each other. And then I started stalking her on social because I'm like, she looks familiar. And I, I know her voice. Like, because when you see people on social media, like, you think you know them. <laughs> she, yeah. And so I found her on Instagram and I hadn't followed you yet on Instagram. So I started following you. And then I was like, no, 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 nope. I've seen this. Nope. So I go over to Facebook and here are you and I, we've been friends since I think 2017 on Facebook. We chatted <laughs> back in the day, just you were in another MLM and yep. I'm in one. And so we chatted about that and we just became women oh, that were encouraging each other during a season. Okay. And then 
here we are now on here the we are. So I just think it's so cool. God so connected funny. us randomly. And so for the record, Brittany, <laughs> you've known Tracy longer than I've known her. Awesome. I, a lot of those little God winks of how he just full circles, brings people back in and just says, okay, you get this, this conversation, this quick conversation now or this. And then years later, and he's like, Oh, but you had no idea what I'm doing. And then just brings it back. And you're just like, so funny. It's it's so awesome how he just connects us all. But anyway, so, well, thank you so much, Brittany, for your time and sharing this with our listeners. And I know that parents, mamas have found this helpful. And I know that they're probably going to share it with their teenagers or preteens. Yeah. And just like, hey. And say, hey, go follow her on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> FYI, here's someone that, is speaking your language that may put words to what you're feeling. Yeah, so. that happens. That happens all the time. I get students all that. That's that's one of the things about Instagram because you're right. Facebook is old and like <laughs> not anymore. But I know at the end of the day, when these students see me, they're going to follow me. Right. So I utilize Instagram to consistently provide value for them, but also like humor and just mm-hmm. connecting with them so they can see yeah. the real life of someone who knows how they feel. Right. I think that that's yeah. really important. And I make a point to really take consideration and care into that when I share stuff on social media. So that's awesome. That's probably you're probably the 0.5% that actually does on like that it is value and not just some kind of promiscuous outfit. But well, yeah. Brittany, we thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to getting your book in our hands. And good luck to you as you launch and in 2024. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Until next week, housewives. Bye, housewives. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook. Link in the show notes. And be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.